Well, church, it's a delight to have Pastor Lucas Connell with us here tonight. Let me introduce him to you if you've never heard Pastor Lucas. Uh, his story, actually not too dissimilar in a lot of ways to what you just heard. Lucas was a drug addict uh, for over 10 years. Uh, his mum was praying for him uh, over those years, go the praying mums, until he had a radical encounter with God on the Gold Coast that began to transform, that transformed his life, and God just began to change his life progressively, and that was that was decades ago. He's gone on. He and his wife Jackie lived in the, the America uh, at C3 San Diego, as it was, Awakened Church in San Diego for many years. Have been itinerating as evangelists around the world for many years. For a stint, was just down the road as the campus pastor of Calvary when it was Kings. And uh, and, and so we kind of connected with him there. And so over these last uh, 12 months, the story of God has returned them back to Australia. They're planning a church on the Gold Coast, Celebrate Church. They've been going uh, for six months or so and still in the pre-launch phase, but it's going really, really well. And so when we thought of who can we have who can bring the power of God, an atmosphere of prophetic, a prophetic atmosphere and, and encourage us, we thought Lucas would be fantastic. So, man, so good to have you here tonight. Put your hands together as we welcome Pastor Lucas Connell. Excellent. Can we give Jesus some praise in this place? Come on, he's so good. So good. Holy Spirit. Just, uh, just, just stay standing just for a, for a minute if you just keep playing. Uh, you know, there's such an incredible atmosphere that's in this place. And see, sometimes when you come to something, you just think that what you're in is normal. But there is such, uh, just the presence of God in this place tonight, the, the hunger, the expectation, the uh, tangibility of God's presence that is in this place is, is beautiful and exceptional. And and But what you need to understand is the only reason that this exists right now is because of a well that your senior leaders have dug. And, and the thing with digging a well, which is a well of life, a well of power, a well of the Holy Spirit, is to dig a well in the natural is a lot of hard work. It, it, it's, it, it's hard on your back, it takes sweat, it takes effort. And, and obviously there's been a collective of people that have chosen to dig a well, to say that we're going to dig a well of power. We're, 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 you know, and, and if you were ever to walk around in the wilderness and see a well, you would know straight away that that well didn't happen by accident. You wouldn't walk along and see a deep well that brings water and think, oh, this just happened accidentally. You would understand straight away that someone purposely dug a well so that people could drink. Somebody put their back into it. They put effort. They put faith. They put expectation. They put hunger to say, I'm going to dig this well no matter how much it hurts, no matter what the cost is, so that people can come to this well and drink. And so firstly, I just feel like I've got a couple, few words that I want to say, but, but firstly, I want to honour your senior pastors for digging that well that we get to drink from today. 
that someone like Josh, it's Josh, is it? Am I, sorry, Dan, I'm so sorry. Someone like Dan can walk into a place, because let me tell you, that testimony doesn't happen everywhere, although it should. But when someone like Dan walks into a house where there's people that have been deliberate in saying, we're going to dig a well, and it's a well of power, you, you end up with stories like Dan. And so, Dan, I, I want to pray for you. And, and here's what I saw for you, which is kind of uh, uh, funny in a sense because of your story. And, and you know, when, when you go to the pub, you, you, you drink beer that is on tap. And often people will, they won't want the can or the bottle, they'll want the, the stuff that's on tap. That's, and what I saw clearly, because God was already speaking to me about the well, is I see you having your own tap, in a sense, that you plug in to this well. Just like in a pub, the tap has to be connected to a keg so that it can pour what's in the keg and other people can enjoy what's in the keg. But what I see is God's called you to be someone that, that plugs your tap into this well, but people are going to come and they're going to drink from the water and the story doesn't stop with you. There's going to be multiple people and multiple lives that are going to come to you that's plugged into this house and they're going to drink from the water that flows from this house. But through your story, through your story, because it's not just the well of this house, it's your story plugged into the well of this house. Just lift your hands to heaven. Father, I just thank you. God, we just thank you for your son, Dan. We thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And God, just like in Melbourne today, there's people lining up to go to a pub because they've been locked down. I thank you that there's going to be people that are lining up to come and drink from the the water that, that, that comes from this well, but through Dan's life. God, I thank you for a grace and an anointing. I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. And I, I just, I literally see, well, well, not literally, but metaphorically, I see dead men walking again. I see you're going to come into contact and you're going to recognize when you see someone that's dead on the inside. And they might be putting on, even in the house of God, they might be putting on a spiritual mask, pretending that everything's okay, but you're going to sense. You're, 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 going, to, you're going to sense. I know what that, that deadness feels like. I can smell it. I can recognize it. And you're going to speak life. They're, they're going to hook up to the life that's living on the inside of you and literally people that are dead are going to come alive to the things of God. There's power. God is anointing you right now, not, not to just have a story that's powerful, but to also for you to carry power. You're going to be someone that carries power and causes dead men to live again in the name of Jesus. Father, bless your son. Bless your son. Bless your son. And just for, uh, where's Summer, who, who led worship?
Is she here? There she is. Just come and stand here, Summer. Holy Spirit. Father, I just thank you. Why don't you reach out your hands? God, I just thank you for Summer. You know, there, there's a great grace and an anointing on your life. But, but what I feel is, is there, there's, God's, God's lifting you to another level. And, and, and what I see is you've been like um, almost like a little oak tree, but now God's calling you to be a large oak tree. And so, and so with going from being a little oak tree to a large oak tree, there, there's some growing pains. There's some, there's some shift. There's some, you know, no, you know, it almost hurts a bit, but in a positive way of growing. But God wants you to know that you've been called to be an oak tree, a, a tree that is established, a tree that others can come and find rest and shade and ministry and blessing. And, and what I felt is God said that you, you might be little in stature, but in the, in the heavenlies, you are anything but little. You are a large, tremendous, established oak tree and, and there's a shift taking place where God's saying, I've allowed you to be a little oak tree in the field, but now I'm calling you to carry more. I'm calling you to go harder. I'm calling you to bring power in the name of Jesus. Power like you've never dreamed. Power like you've called out to God for. I see the Holy Ghost right now. The power of the Holy Spirit right now. Right now right now. And people are even going to notice a shift. They're going to notice a difference. They're going to, you know, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, there's a greater power coming on your life. There's greater responsibility. There's greater power. There's a greater shift in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, bless your daughter. There it is. Bless her. Bless her. Bless her. Bless her right now. Right now, I just see, I just see Holy Spirit power literally going to the roots of that oak tree right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hey, in the name of Jesus, called of God, set apart, set apart, set apart, set apart, set apart. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Don't, don't apologize, don't apologize, just step into it. Don't, don't apologize, just step into it. Just step into it in the name of Jesus. 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 And, 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 and just, I just felt, again, you know, every word uh, should be tested. And, and I just feel this word for the church. And as soon as I was just sitting there, it's like, it's almost like a deck of cards. And it's almost like, a reshuffling of the deck, and it can even be a bit messy, right? And, and, and kind of the picture that I saw is the deck kind of almost like being thrown like that, but then the way that they come down, even though it looks messy, it's what I saw, and it's funny because I'm going to preach this word tomorrow night that, that has this illustration, but what I saw is the cards coming down and, and kind of five cards face up, 
ten, no significance of the number, but ten, jack, queen, king of hearts, like a royal flush. And, and so what seems like, you know, like a bit kind of a reshuffling and messy, but the way the cards are going to come down, right, is going to be supernatural and it's like far out, man. How did we end up with a royal flush of hearts where something that was a bit kind of like seemed like that? And, and, and I asked Pastor John, I, I'm going to ask everyone just to close your eyes for a moment. I just felt as well uh, a word of knowledge is, and this, you know, I imagine will just be for kind of one person, but, but, but I felt that, that this is what I saw. And, and I want to just keep this kind of between whoever it is. And, and if it resonates, that's great. If it doesn't, that's okay. But, but what I saw was an envelope and it represents someone being sent to Melbourne. And what I saw on the envelope is I saw the writing of the address was, was so perfect, was like cursive, beautiful writing. And I saw a stamp that was positioned perfectly. It was like the most amazing envelope that you could possibly see. There wasn't a mark on it that the writing, the address was so perfect, the stamp was perfectly in place. And what it represents is, is someone that has been prepared to be somewhere else and, and being sent, being sent. And even the stamp, it represents the provision. Everything has been put in you. And there's been times that you've questioned and wondered, have I got what it takes and do I have everything that I need? But the stamp positioned so well is the provision that, that of heaven that was developed in this house that allows you to be able to be sent. And you are going to flourish. You are going to prosper. You are going to step into things that you've only ever dreamed of. And you just need to know that it's not just the house that's sending you, but it's God Almighty that is sending you because, and, and please understand that the envelope, it represents you have been prepared. You are ready, you are ready, and you are being sent in the name of Jesus. Come on, why don't, why don't everyone just lift your hands to heaven. Father, we just thank you so much. And I just thank you for your goodness. I thank you that what's going to happen over the next three days. God, we're hungry for you. We want to encounter you. God, we thank you for this atmosphere. And we just bless your wonderful name in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give God praise in this place. Fantastic. Thanks so much, guys. Didn't these guys do an amazing job? Excellent. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, Good to be here. Why don't you grab your seats? Uh, the Sunshine Coast. Uh, does it get better than the Sunshine Coast? Maybe the Gold Coast. No, I'm just... Uh, uh, imagine, imagine, seriously, imagine being called of God to live on the Sunshine Coast or the Gold Coast. Like, we must be God's favourites, hey? Seriously. Like, seriously. Seriously. Hey, uh, I, I just want to uh, preach for, for a little bit and... And I want to I want to talk about the presence of God, and and, and what I want to do after this session is we're going to open the altar, and we're going to believe to encounter the presence of God. 
You know, my objective of this whole sermon is that you personally would encounter his tangible presence today. That you would go home, not not saying, I heard a great word, but you would go home saying, I encountered him. That you would go home saying, I experienced, I felt his presence. And, you know, when it comes to the presence of God, there's only one presence of God. There's one God. But, but it kind of comes in two uh, uh, expressions, if you will. There, there's the omnipresence of God, which is the fact that God is omnipresent. He is everywhere at the same time. David said, even if I went into the depths of the earth, you'd be there. It's the reason, the omnipresence of God, it's the reason why God can say to us, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Wherever I go, there's no sin that I could get involved in that would cause God not to be there because He's omnipresent. He is everywhere at the same time. The reality is we deal with the omnipresence more than we do with anything else. Most mornings I wake up and have bad breath. My body aches a little because I'm getting older. And I don't kind of wake up with angels floating around and feel the presence of God. I'm dealing with the omnipresence of God. I can't feel Him, but I get out of of bed and by faith, I believe He's with me, He's for me, He loves me, and things are going to go well for me. But then there is the manifest presence of God. And really the manifest presence is the omnipresence that reveals itself. It was always there, I just couldn't feel it, but when it becomes manifest, it's simply the presence that was always there. Now I can, it's like when David said, taste and see that the Lord is good. He's speaking of the manifest presence of God. You know, James 4.8 says, uh, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And if you think about that, it kind of contradicts itself because somewhere else God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And now he's saying, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Hang on a sec, I thought you weren't going to leave me. If you think about it, they contradict each other. But one of them is speaking of the omnipresence. And one is speaking of, if you want God to reveal what you can't naturally feel, there needs to be a leaning in. There needs to be a drawing near. You know, my story, I was mentally ill, drug-induced psychosis, the television speaking to me, 10 years of drugs, suicidal, messed up. And people say, you know, 20-something years later, I've preached all over the world. We're just planning a church, and God's been so good. I've been married almost 20 years. Next, uh, in the next week, I've been married 20 years. And, uh, and without a doubt, the reason that I'm here today is because of encounters with the manifest presence of God. Like, like without a doubt, it's not, it's not a 10-step program for me. It's not that there's anything wrong with learning, but for me, it was encounters with the Holy Spirit. Real life uh, encounters with the Holy Spirit. You know, I remember one of them uh, that happened that was quite funny. Uh, I was a brand new Christian, and, and, and I was about six months saved, and a couple people got saved in the church, two young adults. And we used to take them to this upstairs room where we'd give them a Bible, pray a prayer with them. And for some reason, the, the pastor's wife said to me, hey, why don't you come up and pray for these two young people? They were, about, they were both about 23. I was probably 23 as well, 24. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll give it a go. I, I think I've seen someone do that. And, and so I head up to the office and 
She leads them in a prayer, giving their lives back to Jesus. And then she signals to me, she says, okay, why don't you pray for them to get filled with the Holy Spirit? And I don't know if you've seen someone fall down in the power of God before. And, uh, you know, maybe you've seen what I call the CD. It's the courtesy drop, okay? Uh, doesn't happen here, okay? <clears throat> but just out of courtesy, you lay down. Or, or if you're old school, you know, maybe you've seen what I call the PO, the, the pushover in Jesus' name, and that doesn't happen here either. <laughs> but I remember, I remember the, this, this young guy and young girl, they don't know each other, and, and she asked me to pray, and I walk over, and there's no catcher. It's just myself up in this office, pastor's wife, these two young people. And I walk over, and, and I don't kind of, I, I just say, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, fill him. And, and I just touch the top of his head. He doesn't go backwards or forwards. It's, he literally goes, and he's on the ground. It looked like God just went, and like punched him. I was like six months saved. I was like, oh my God. Like, he, he's on the ground bawling his eyes out. I take half a step towards the girl that I'm about to now pray for. She drops to her knees and starts crying too. I think she thought God was going to punch her as well. So she's like, I'm going down before he gets me. <laughs> she's on the ground bawling. He's on the ground bawling. And I remember sneaking to the back of the office and recognizing that the manifest presence of God had just turned up. And I got on my hands and knees, six months saved. And all I could say was, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And listen, fire literally started to burn like I've never felt before. A heat of fire, like I had a temperature, but a good one throughout my whole body. And fire was burning so much so that I'm watching, I'm in an air-conditioned office and I'm watching sweat at this rate drop off the end of my nose because I'm literally burning in God's fire. Some guy just walks in the room who hadn't been part of it and he just walks in and he goes, the fire of God's in here. And then he walked out. <laughs> and then afterwards, uh, a friend, a girl who'd just gotten saved, probably two weeks saved. Well, I'm good friends with her today, her and her husband. And this is 20 years ago. And she says, man, what's the deal with that? Like, what was God doing? And, and, and it was cool because I gave her the answer but it was more like a word of wisdom because I found out the answer while I was giving her the answer, but I got to pretend that I knew what the answer was. And I said this, I said, you know what? I feel like God just did something in me that should have taken six to 12 months and he did it in about 15 or 20 minutes. Come on, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the manifest presence of God that what could take 20 years, he can do in a moment. And so I want to just give you four quick things. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to go a bit longer than this because I ministered at the front, okay? So we're, we're switching it around a little bit. But, but we're going to minister at the back as well. Uh, so quickly, Exodus 33, verse 13 to 24. Let's quickly read that scripture. <clears throat> a very cool story. Have we got that one? <clears throat> Exodus 33. There we go. All right, if you... This is Moses speaking to God. If you're pleased with me, teach me a way so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, I love this, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? 
And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. I love this part. It's the, the title of my message. Called, this message is called Show Me Your Glory. Then Moses had the audacity to say, now show me your glory. Next scripture. And the Lord said, I'll cause my goodness to pass in front of you and I'll proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. And the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face you must not, must not be seen. Let me just give you four really quick things. And two of them are, are, are the reason why we need to keep having encounters with the manifest presence of God. No matter how long you've been saved, let me tell you, you can always have another encounter. The man, I'm not waiting for heaven to receive the fullness of His presence. <clears throat> number one, and we read it, it's in verse 15 and 16. Uh, number one, why do we need it? It's because it distinguishes us from everybody else. We read that. You can put it up there on the screen. I'm not going to read it, but that's what it says. How else will they know who we are if you don't come with us? We, Moses came down off the mountain and his face shone with the glory of God. We need some business people that would get so caught up in the presence of God that when they go into the office, the people that they're around would say, I don't know what it is about you, but there's something on you. You're different to everybody else because they'd see the goodness of God. See, as a pastor, I don't want people to just see me. I want them to see Him in me. I want them to see His eyes of love. I want them to see His power. I want them to see His goodness. And so, number one, it distinguishes us. It becomes the X factor. You know, I remember a young girl. Uh, I remember a young girl. My lace is undone. Like, would you be able to help? I'm sorry, because there's people with OCD and it's messing them up. Yeah, they, yeah, see, I'm helping you. Okay, they're, they're like, they can't even listen to what I'm saying because they're like the lace. Look, maybe just tighten that one because that's almost done as well. All right, sorry, we're good, we're good. And, and so it, it distinguishes us. I remember this young lady who came to our youth group and she had had a tough life. And, and she had been, her dad left when she was little. Her, her mom was mean to her, her sister picked on her. She would go to school and was absolutely bullied, picked on all the time. She didn't have kind of natural, uh, if you will, beautiful features in the sense from a natural point of view. But when she came, hear me when I say this, there was an ugliness about her, but it more came from the inside. It came from how bad and evil the world had been to her. That, that, that she had been so hurt on the inside that she literally repelled. She would come to our youth group and she was so hard to kind of deal with and talk to that you could normally last about 60 seconds. And then you'd need another youth leader to kind of tag you out, you know, and then do 60 seconds of awkwardness. And after about five weeks, I spoke on the love of the Father and she answered the altar call. She wept for about an hour without exaggerating. Everyone else had gone off playing basketball and table tennis. The meeting was over and she's at the altar encountering the love of the Father. 
The next week we're at youth and this is no exaggeration. This new girl turns up and I signaled to some of our leaders. I said, go make the new girl feel welcome. And they, they went and talked and, and a couple of minutes later they came to me excited. And they said, that's not a new girl, that's the girl. And literally, I'm telling you, she still had the same kind of, you know, what the world would call ordinary features, but there was a beauty that literally shone out of her. She was distinguished from everybody else. We need to encounter him so that we look different. The second thing, and this is probably my favorite, is in verse 19. We need these encounters because it's full of his goodness but he also proclaims his name. Point two, why do we need it? It's because it's full of his goodness and he proclaims his name. You know, Pastor John was touching on this, that we all have our stuff. We all have junk. See, for me, it was insecurity, addiction, and rejection. I brought a whole lot of junk to my relationship with God. But every time that I get in his manifest presence, his goodness, that is, his goodness starts to disintegrate the insecurity, starts to disintegrate the addiction, starts to disintegrate the fear. See, his goodness is who he is. He is love. The Bible says fear, uh, perfect love casts out fear. So if you've got anxiety or fear and you get in his goodness and you feel his manifest presence, it starts to disintegrate the junk that we all have in our lives. But here's the, here's the, the, the kicker. See, <clears throat> to have lasting transformation, and this is what I want to believe for tonight, you need your encounter to not just be about His goodness. In other words, I felt some goosebumps. I felt His presence. I felt His goodness. And that's a part of it for sure, and I want that. But the thing that brings lasting transformation is when you don't just feel His goodness, but you hear Him like you've been speaking about and you hear Him proclaim His name. See, watch this. If your junk is fear and His goodness disintegrates that and it's only that encounter, well, the fear starts to get disintegrated. But over time, if you don't replace the negative with something positive, eventually the negative will start to surface again. But if you allow His presence, His goodness to disintegrate the junk and then allow Him to proclaim His name. In other words, you hear from heaven about the thing in your life. That's when you end up with lasting transformation. See, the amazing thing about God is you might think, well, I've got a lot of junk. Well, guess what? He's got a lot of names. My favorite name that he has is when he speaks to Moses and he says, who should I say you are? And he says, just tell him I am. And what does that mean? Well, if your junk is sickness, you need his goodness to start to disintegrate that, that sickness, but then you need to hear him proclaim that my name is healer. If your, if your junk is fear and anxiety, then his goodness is peace and love, but you need to hear him say, my name is deliverer. My name is freedom. My name is peace. My name is joy. I remember praying for a young lady who, who had uh, an embarrassing situation with her bladder. No doctor could fix it. 
were on a young adult camp and the Holy Spirit touched her. She went down in the presence of God. I don't think it was a CD. It definitely wasn't a PO, okay? But she ended up down on the floor in the goodness of God. But while she was on the floor, God said, get up. You've been healed. What, 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 what is that? She felt his goodness, but then she heard him proclaim his name. And in that moment, she's still healed today. And what the doctor said could never happen, happened because she felt his goodness, but then heard him proclaim his name. I've seen it happen with drug addicts. I've seen it happen with people with anxiety that it's not, I want, I want you to get this in your spirit tonight. I don't just want to feel his goodness, although that's a huge part. I want to hear him proclaim his name. Because that's the stuff that replaces the junk that will keep me walking in freedom because I'll remember the feeling, but I'll never forget the name that he proclaimed over my situation. The second thing, or or let me just give you two really quick keys of how we encounter, and then we're going to pray. The first thing is this. It is, I like this, in verse 20 to 22. Let's read that. It it says, but he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. You've got to understand this is the Old Testament. Jesus hadn't yet died on the cross. Everyone in the Old Testament knew that if you saw God because of our sinful nature, you were dead. And he says, you can't see me and live. And then the Lord said, well, hang on. There's a place near me where you may stand on a rock, on a rock. And when my glory passes by, I'll put you in the cleft of a rock and I'll cover you with my hand until I have passed by. See, I love this, the way that you encounter, because if you're anything like me, You can think of a night like tonight when we're getting ready to encounter God's presence. And even right now, some of you are disqualifying yourself of why you're not going to have an encounter. You're looking over in the corner at Sister Spiro and you're like, she'll have an encounter. She'll get a prophecy. She'll get everything. God always speaks to her. But in your mind, you're like, well, I just haven't read my Bible enough and I haven't really been doing as good as what I should be. And, and if I be honest, I messed up with that sin the other week and I, I looked at something I shouldn't have looked at. And, and you can be sitting here disqualifying yourself from an encounter with the presence of God. But see, here's the deal. All of us are disqualified. God God, in our own self, that is, God said to Moses, hey, listen, it's impossible for anybody to see the face of God and live because of humanity's sin, which we all have. But then in the Old Testament, he takes a peek into the New Testament and he says, well, hang on a second, Moses. The only way this could work is you need to go and stand on the rock. The rock is Jesus Christ. The only way that you can see my face and live, Moses, is you better stand on the rock. You better stand on who Christ is, and now you're qualified. I love that that it says, you know, I think it's Colossians that says that we're hidden in Christ. 
The reason you can encounter the manifest presence of God tonight is because when you're hidden in Christ, what that means is when God looks at you, He sees Christ. He doesn't see the mistake you made. He doesn't see the sin you committed. He doesn't see how much you've read your Bible. He doesn't see how much you've prayed. He just sees that someone is hidden in Christ and Christ is perfect. He's righteous. He's awesome. So that means we are and we're worthy to encounter His presence. But see, the thing I love about this, he says, hey, Moses, you've got to go and stand on the rock. He doesn't say, Moses, let me pick you up and I'll put you on the rock. He doesn't say, Moses, let me go and get the rock and I'll bring it over to you. He says, Moses, by faith with all of the whispers of the devil of why you're disqualified. And even many of them are true, but you've got to have a moment to say, you know what, devil, you're right. Some of those things, I am responsible. I did the wrong thing. But you know what, devil, I'm going to go and stand on what Christ has done on my behalf. I'm going to stand on His righteousness. I'm going to stand on who He is and who He says that I am so that you're qualified for His presence. Just if the team could come, and we're going to pray in just a second. Last point is this, and this one kind of sounds like I'm contradicting the first, but the second thing of how you encounter His presence is in verse 18, where Moses says, now show me your glory. And the audacity of Moses, you've got to think about in the Old Testament, he was the only one that had what you and I have today because of Christ. He already had relationship with God. But he had a hunger to say, God, I'm thankful for what we've got, but God, forgive me. Could I see your glory? I want you to show me who you are. I want to see the creator of the whole universe. See, the second thing is is you've got to desire it. You've got to want it. You've got to hunger for His presence. Most encounters with God don't happen by accident. You say, hang on, you're contradicting yourself because you said that there's nothing I do that that qualifies me for it. No, no, that's 100% true. There's nothing you do that qualifies you except what Christ did for you. But there is stuff that you do that positions yourself better for it. See, See, some people knew they were meant to be here tonight, but there was a television show on that they didn't want to miss and they stayed home. Now you've got to understand they're just as qualified as you. God loves them the same as He loves you. There's no judgment. But who knows you're better positioned than the person that stayed home because you put yourself, that's what hunger is. My hunger doesn't qualify me, only Christ qualifies me. But my hunger positions me. That's why it says in James 4.8, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Blind Bartimaeus walking through the street, or sorry, he was sitting begging and Jesus was walking through the street and he just gets up in front of everybody down at, the plaza, yelling out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And you know, they all told him to be quiet. 
You know who told him to be quiet? The religious people. Because when someone gets religious, they hate seeing someone with great passion because it exposes their lack of passion that they once had and it makes them feel uncomfortable. So they say, just settle down, young people. You're a little bit too excited for Jesus. But I love, it's probably my favorite verse in the Bible. It says, but he shouted all the more. He got a little bit louder. Jesus! Son of David. You know, last story, and then we're going to stand on our feet. We're going to pray. I remember I, I went on a church encounter weekend. I was two weeks saved. And they talked about Jacob, how he wrestled with God, and God changed his name. And I don't know if I've shared this story, but they, the whole week was helping us get free, and it built up to a moment where we'd go and have an hour with God on Mount Tambourine on the Gold Coast. And they talked about this guy, Jacob, who wrestled with God. He literally wrestled with him and God changed his name. And every time the preacher was speaking, I'm two weeks saved. And I'm like, well, hang on a second. If he changed Jacob's name, maybe he could change mine. Because I've been known as junkie, druggo, loser, can't trust him, liar, cheat, friendless, broke. Maybe if he changed Jacob's name, maybe he could change mine. And maybe it was because I had killed too many brain cells. I was 23. I'd been on drugs for 10 years. But when we went off for an hour on our own, I said to myself, well, if Jacob wrestled with God, I'm going to wrestle. And on the side of the mountain, I was literally rolling back and forth. Like literally like this two weeks saved. Like I'm, I'm like, God, I'm not letting go unless you bless me. That's what Jacob said. And I remember everyone was gone an hour. I was probably gone about an hour and 20 minutes. Two weeks saved. That was the end of the encounter weekend. We we're going to finish with afternoon tea. Then we'd go home on Saturday night. And I remember I walked back and I was the last one. There's a group of about 20. And I remember this super embarrassing moment. Because I walk in and my jeans had grass stains and, and dirt all over them. And people I looked at me and go, man, what are you doing? And it was in that moment I felt, I felt like an idiot. I felt silly. Because I, I didn't just metaphorically wrestle with God, but I literally wrestled with God. You know, I was still addicted to drugs at that moment. Cigarettes, a whole heap of other stuff. But you know, it was that night, October 10, 1999, in a little unit in Surface Paradise, home by myself. That same night, we got down off the mountain and I started to cry out to God and His manifest presence filled my whole living room. And He began to speak to me. And He spoke to me and He said, you'll never need drugs again told me who I was going to marry. He started speaking to me about what my future was going to be. See, and this is not a judgment on the people, it is, is whose house did God turn up at? The kid that was hungry. 
the kid that was on the side of the mountain saying, I need you to change my name. I'm sick of the name that I've had. I need your goodness to turn up at my house, but then I need you to proclaim your name. I need you to proclaim freedom. I need you to proclaim preacher. I need you to proclaim man of God. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Come on, let's worship. Let's worship. I still believe your spirit.